Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. I'm Tom Baker, and excited to be along for the ride once again here this week. Uh, I'd like to start the show properly this time by giving some thanks to our proper sponsors of the show, uh, IPC Indy, Jeff West and his crew, and of course, um, uh, Rich Worth and the folks at JNS Paving and Sean Cathcart and his staff at um, Skip's Fish Fry as well. We ask that if uh, you need what they offer, please, please, please uh, give them the opportunity to earn your business because they are the ones sponsoring not just this show, but so much other stuff at uh, Swiggo Speedway and Supermodifieds, uh, all of those uh, respective uh, businesses are great supporters of what we all love. With that, I say, hello, I'm Tom Baker <laughs> and glad to be back with you. And I got to tell you, this is going to be a neat show. And this show, I must say, this show is all Larry Trinka's fault. It's all his fault that this show happened. So if you don't like this show for whatever reason, or you have any complaints about this show at all, please, please, please just send them to Larry because he's the cause of all this and that needs some background. So last weekend, uh, Larry and his wife, Wendy, were nice enough to have me over and uh, put up with me for a day. We had a great uh, time and had the chance to meet Rich and Debbie Hall. It was awesome and spent the night, came back the next day. Uh, Larry sent me back with a bunch of programs, uh, and I'm going to justify that in a little while. So I'm going to read something. See, I, when, when, I, when I say I need these old 70s programs, it isn't just my enjoyment to read them. I use them for this show and use them for research and info. We're going to have, uh, we're gonna have a little fun with something that was in one of these books. Um, but uh, so Larry snaps a picture of me. Uh, and uh, he and I together and post it on his Facebook page. And next thing you know, Don Romage, you remember Don, uh, the Canadian who owned the 73 car, drove it for a while and then had a number of other drivers in it. Um, Don uh, says, hey, when do I get to go to Larry's? And naturally, he and I had a little fun with that. Larry and I did. And uh, I was, I, look, I know a good opportunity when I see it. So I reached out to Don and <laughs> humbly asked him if he would consider being a guest on this show well don's response was of course and and in fact it turns out that don ramage lives just outside statesville 
North Carolina, which is where the WSIC studios are, and that's where I am based now and where we do the live shows from. Um, the podcasts I could do from either the studio or here at home, um, and in this case today I happen to be at home as I'm recording this um, because I needed to do some business down here in Mooresville. So I just came home and did it. All right, so Don was excited about coming to WSIC because he had heard about the reputation that it had uh, with it when it comes to motorsports. And for those of you who don't know, WSIC uh, Radio in Statesville, that building that WSIC is in was the first building where NASCAR races were broadcast to the entire state of North Carolina. And the station that was in there at the time also was the first station in the entire country to broadcast NASCAR qualifying. And that's very significant because Mark Garrow and Doug Rice from PRN started in that building. Benny Parsons was Mark's partner calling qualifying at that time. It was a guy named J.D. Benfield who was there at the time. And J.D. was the guy, the first guy to go to the track uh, to the NASCAR races and broadcast the qualifying. So part of why I'm so excited and happy to be at WSIC is because of all that history. It's very well known in this area as the originator, basically, of of um, NASCAR programming. So Don came in today, and he and I this morning spent a couple of hours together. The interview, I think, is uh, going to um, end up being right around an hour when I clean it up. Excuse me. So, and I'm not going to clean it up too much because it was so good and so enjoyable that the little impurities, he and I, our our allergies, both of us are are um, in full speed here. So, uh, forgive our voices, but the interview was just so much fun. Don, Don's the greatest guy, and so now uh, I don't want to give away too much, but Don and I hatched an idea during the interview that's all i'm gonna say you'll hear it when it comes by but uh again if you don't like this show it's all larry's fault so uh you know tell him about it larry's the complaint department for this this episode of the show uh now i want to start with before we get to the interview i want to start with the number 44 this is the 44th episode you know there are some numbers in my this is again this is some of this show is about me. I try to make it about everybody else, but a lot of what makes me smile about doing this show is I I get to talk about um the my young days at Oswego through my lens, through my eyes. Um and the 44 for me is one of those numbers that just carries with it happy and fun memories. First of all, um, I remember Daryl Peckham from the first year, from 73 into 74, which is when I was first going. Um, and, and again, Daryl was among those. I mean, all the drivers were nice to me, but Daryl was among those that was, that was just fun to, to go over and see. And what really kind of endeared me to Daryl was that he let Jimmy Champagne borrow his car a couple of times. Of course, at that time, I have no idea you know, how close of friends they are, whatever. Jimmy's just getting in the car, you know? So that was, uh, 
that was fun. And Jimmy actually ran pretty good, I think, the second time he got in it. Um, I seem to remember him being somewhat competitive with it. And uh, and then that eventually went to Jamie Moore, of course. And Jamie has become a great friend of mine and someone that I really have a great deal of, of appreciation and respect for. Um, and, and Jamie had a marvelous career. And so that number 44, and then, of course, if you sort of expand beyond, um, I remember Doug Hevron winning, um, I think it was a heat race or a Concy race, I can't remember which, but when he was driving for Mario Fiore in the modified 44, um, there have been just several 44s. I was always an appreciator of Terry Labonte's. He was 44 for a while. It was just a number of kind of reasons why the 44 number is special to me. But Daryl and Jamie, and of course, Rick Nelson was a part of that team as well. And there may not have been a Tom Baker, at least for this long, doing this kind of thing in the sport, if there were not a Rick Nelson and Tom Baker uh, for a few years up there in New York, because it was Rick that really encouraged me and uh, gave me the opportunity to elevate the show I was doing. And, uh, you know, Rick taught me so much and we, we just really hit it off. And it was like the yang and the yang for a while. And that's, um, you know, that's, that's obviously a blessing when you're doing any sort of creative, whether it's music or it's motorsports media, um, the yin and the yang thing. If you can find people that really kind of push you and you have a, a good time creating something with, um, you know, that's, that's, that's when the best stuff happens. Magic happens when people uh, come together and can actually not only do good work, but have fun and make each other laugh while they're doing it. And Rick and I certainly have shared that over the years and still do when we get together. So, um, again, the number of reasons why that 44, that sort of carries a lot of freight for me. Now, as to other 44s, Jim Paternoster, not Race Master Jim, but other Jim from Utica, New York, I think he was from, of course, ran that for a while. He had, uh, we have first, I think the old Tobin car uh, that came from the Midwest. Leffler, I think, built it. Um, that was the one that Dick Batchelder drove and Chuck Siprich and I think Bobby, yeah, Bobby Stelder for a year or two. Mark Letcher got in it, uh, had a good classic in it. Uh, several drivers drove that Orange 21. Uh, I think that was Jim's first car. And then he had a copy. It was a show car, but a copy of the, uh, champagne booth 89 and then he bought the newer of the two hevron cars and had that for a while um sold it to denny wheeler who i think also ran it as 44 the couple of times that he he raced it then he eventually sold it to bali and we all know how that worked out for bali and bentley having that car after the old one got uh, crunched in the 87 mr super race ironically enough in a crash with hevron so uh, I remember Todd Gibson running, and I think it was Tony Lavati's car one year in the Classic as a 44. Um, and I was trying to remember some newer ones, and I don't know if there have been any. And I was trying to remember even anybody in the SBS as a 44. Um, I don't think it's been quite as popular in number lately, unless I'm missing somebody, and I probably am. 
But there's a good start at any rate. So that number 44, uh, at least for me, in my personal experience growing up at Oswego, um, that number 44 was pretty cool because Daryl and Jamie, um, two nice, really nice guys, and uh, Rick Nelson obviously coming out of that whole thing too. Um, so good stuff. And, um, you know, always uh, good thoughts when I think about those days and that number and um, either Daryl or Jamie. So if I'm missing any 44s, use the comments, please, below uh, the show. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you do it on our page or one of the super pages, but wherever you're listening to the show from, just throw it in the comments. Um, I do try to look through those, and sometimes uh, somebody has come up with some uh, good ideas or good uh, thoughts that I didn't think about. So there you have it. There's the uh, the 44 for the week. I'll leave that to all of you uh, fellow encyclopedias to see if uh, <laughs> if I can... Uh, See if you can stump me here, and it probably won't be too hard. Um, there. So with that all being said, we we don't have an opening day, obviously, yet. Um, things a little slow in New York. Uh, don't have any word on ISMO opening. We are not totally sure, at least I'm not, from the feedback I'm getting, if the IRP show, LOR, Lucas Oil Raceway, um, the Midwest Super Series show uh, in combination with the MSA Sprints, the Midwest Compacts, and the uh, Super Cup Stock Car Series that was supposed to take place in June. It's later in the month, and I, I'm i not sure. Uh, I got some indications that it looks like it, it's going to happen, and then I'm getting some indications that it may not happen. Um Indiana, according to what I understand, July the 4th is the sort of opening, you know, open up the state kind of goal. So I don't know where that puts that race. But um, I will keep you posted because obviously that would be, it may be the first super modified race in the country if it ends up happening. And I would, at that point, I would love to see some support for that show from some of the teams from Oswego and Isma as well. Uh, if we could get, because that, that show, and I don't, I don't want to say too much, but I believe that if that show is going to happen, I believe there's going to be some really good coverage of that show. And I will let you know about that as soon as I get definitive word, it's going to happen. Um, so I think everybody would really enjoy it and everybody will be able to access it. And that's all I'm going to say for right now, but it's, um, it's going to be a great show if it happens because all of those divisions, there should be an easy 20 to 25, if not more of the MSA, uh, must sprint car series. Uh, I want to say, um, must sprint car series cars. There should be probably about 20, or so of the Super Cup stock cars. The Midwest Compact should have at least 20, and I would love to see 15 to 20 Supers. If if we could hit 15 to 20 Supers, uh, that would make it a great show. And uh, then, of course, there's another one later in the year scheduled for the fall there. You would think that one should be pretty safe. Um, that's what I know about that as far as Super Modified 
races and openings. Uh, don't know if if every one of you have heard yet, but we do know that uh, the Lorraine County Speedway has been sold and racing will continue there. So that's definitely good news. Um, and hopefully that means good cooperation with the supermodifieds. Uh, MSS just, boy, it, it those guys work so hard um, and just really hoping to see them continue to build the fields up to where they can um, get closer to that 15 to 20 mark and then we can eventually be into the the 20s and and right now if you're above 20 uh, it seems like that's a good field for super modifieds anywhere singularly especially during the season when we've got competing shows against each other um so at this point that's what i know if any of you know something i don't or something that that uh, kind of adds to that or even contradicts it again please let me know so we can get the information out there um and we'll do so as quickly as possible but it looks like right now there's at least a fighting chance that that show at lucas oil raceway in june will happen even if it is likely to be without fans and so with that the last thing i will tell you about is in this opening salvo of the show is to remind you that uh, on the 31st of the month of May, it's a Sunday, there will be another um, R-Factor Sim Super Modified event, and I will give you some more details about that in our closing segment of the show after the interview with Don Romage, which, by the way, is coming up next. So stand by and get ready because you're going to really enjoy this. It was a lot of fun. We did a little show and tell. You won't be able to see the show part of it because um, this is audio, not video. But Don brought some pictures, and I was wishing that I had thought or realized he was going to do that. I could have set up a camera, and we could have taken at least part of that segment and made it a video segment, but um, didn't know he was going to do it. And once he got there and had... The pictures with him i didn't have um the uh proper camera stuff it was here at home so uh just one of those situations it wasn't meant to be but i think you'll really enjoy the interview again it was a lot of fun covered a lot of ground and talked a lot about don's early days and of course getting into supers and the drivers who drove for him and his driving days and um and and then you know talked a little bit about today and he shared some of his thoughts and um so it was a it was just a fun time to sit back and and kind of rekindle my uh friendship with him uh and I, and i thank him so much for that time so without any further ado we're going to step aside when we come back we will hear from don Ramage. And then uh, we'll take a break after that and be back with uh, the close of today's Inside Groove. We hope that you will grab a beverage and your favorite place to sit down and just um, really focus on this next segment and enjoy it. So we'll be back with more of Inside Groove right after this. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles. And now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider Complete Motorcycle Air Suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. 
Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider Air Shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue for another week with the uh, podcast. Joining me... Uh, in the my office in the WSIC radio studios in Statesville, North Carolina, is none other than former Canadian car owner, now living in the greater Statesville region down here in North Carolina. Don Romage has joined us on the program. And uh, Don, it's great to see you again, first of all, and it's great to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Tom. It, uh... Feels good to get in here and talk to you. I listen to some of your shows and really enjoy them. Well, uh, I appreciate that, and it's this is going to be a a fun time because Don uh, Don has brought some photos. Now I know this is radio, so y'all can't see them. But what we're going to try to do because Don started showing me through these photos, and I realized that uh, he was actually telling some great stories here. And I said, "Wait, let's save this for on air because." Uh, you won't tell it the same exact way. So um, we've we've got a collection of photos here. But first of all, before we get to those, um, I want to ask you, Don, what got you interested or started in racing in the first place way back when? Well, it, it really started back when I was probably six, seven years old. Um, my father took me to a little speedway up there in Canada called... Bridgeport Speedway, and up there, that's when they were running the the, the supers there, and okay. watch that. So it was pretty much hooked right from there. Wow! Uh, so were they running supers when you first went? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so then, you got hooked on supers. Oh yeah, right from the giddy up. But yeah. this car I'm looking at that was your first car doesn't look like a super. No. And <laughs> so how do we connect the dots here? Well, you see, the at one time the supers and the hobby division—that's what that is. That's a hobby car. Um, they ran together. There was the super modifieds and the hobbies, and uh, just kind of grew from there. Okay, and oh, they ran together back then. That's interesting. No, I didn't no, realize that. Not together, not on the oh, track. Oh, together. okay. I was going to say, yeah. okay, on the same car. <laughs> yeah, I see. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so you you got started in the other class. Yes. Okay, because this looks. Uh, you you were saying this it's a thirty four Ford. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was. My it's father, like something we but, saw in a swig in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. well, Omer, Omer my father there, he was always interested in racing, too. So he's pretty much the one that got the ball rolling for us as far as the hobby division. Okay. Um, and how, did, that. how old were you when you started? I was, when I started driving, I was like 20 years old. But um, that's a little bit late nowadays, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit, but not necessarily. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of fashion to start at quarter midgets or legends cars at five or whatever, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's not a, you know, it's interesting to watch someone who doesn't start so early. You know, you look at a driver, for example, like Zach Veach. Um, Zach didn't start racing anything until he was 12, and in four years, he had made it all the way up the ladder to the road to Indy and now he's driving Indy cars in his early twenties. So, um, you know, even he was 12, but that was late, you know? Yeah. It, it, so it is, it's a very different, yeah, very I mean, different with, time. I was going to the races long before that with the, with my father and, and, uh, we had a different driver and yeah. at that time before who was, uh, who was driving for you? That back was, then? His name was Don Colburn. 
It was done from, obviously from Canada. Yeah, he was from Canada too. He was kind of like a family friend and, and uh, got to know him. And uh, he did a good job for us in the car, but then I come along and decide maybe I should give it a try. <laughs> so out went one Don and in went another. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the family Don took precedence over the non-family Don. Exactly. Yeah. How did you do in your first race? Do you remember? Uh, I think the first race, uh, I can't remember for sure, but we did win the, uh, that season, we did win the uh, mid-season championship with on that first year driving. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that was so good. So you established uh, your winning ability <laughs> fairly early on. Yeah, yeah, with those cars, anyhow. Yeah. So what year would that have been? That would, 1974. 74. Yeah. Okay. That was about, that was my first full season going to a swig. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so um, how long before you actually, I guess you started to go swig in what, 1980? 1980 was our first year at Oswego, yeah. That was your first super? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So were you running this car right up to the time that you... Yes, we were. Yeah, we were running that car right up until we uh, bought the first Super from Brian Morrison. Okay. And, and that was, yes, which this is kind of where we were, folks, for those listening, when I said, look, so let's stop storytelling and roll the, the, <laughs> the, uh, roll the tape, so to speak. Um, and so this car, I was, I was saying to Don that um, I always thought that this car was a brand new show car that was built for Brian that for whatever reason, Brian just never purchased, decided not to, to, to finish buying it or whatever. Um, and in fact, this is the old Hagen Howard six car that um, I think it was, well, I guess it was the 41st and then it was the 58 and then it was the six, but it was the blue Hagen Howard car um, and Showcar apparently was reworking this for Brian, I guess. Is that right, Don? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, he put a new roll cage on he it. He kind of came along bumpers. and just said, uh, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. And you were starting to tell me um, about how uh, the, the, the story, I think the phrase you used off air was, there was there were still some things a bit fishy. Talk about kind of take go from yeah, there. Yeah, well, the thing there's there's a few things about that car. Um, some people have thought that Todd Gibson had built that car. Oh, um, and I'd heard different stories, but the only thing I knew for sure was I I did ask Todd, and he said no, he didn't build that car. Interesting. Now the only thing for sure on that car is the the large uh, framer ups. On okay. The bottom frame rails, and uh, when we built, got our new chassis from uh, show car, we took a bunch of stuff off that old car to put on the new car. Okay, brakes and stuff like that. So we had that chassis sitting in a trailer at home there, and uh, Steve Miller and uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but came from the uh, Indianapolis uh, Museum to look at that car. And his claim was, well, actually, all he wanted, he wanted to cut the car up and just take that part of the frame. And I said, ah. no, you got to take the whole thing. But um, his claim was that that was part of the chassis from A.J. Ford's 1959 IndyCar. Oh, wow. Now, that's what he said. Interesting. I have no idea who's right um, on the car. I've heard a lot of different things. Uh, I, I've heard that Brian, Brian Herb had it, too. So, Well, yeah, Herb had... 
Well, actually, I'm not. Yes, he did. He drove it in 72 for Hagen Howard. Oh, okay. That it was the sense. 01. Yeah, it went yeah. from the 40 to the 58. No, went from the 40 to the 01 to the 31 for Jim Gray. Yeah. Okay. I think. Um, and then, yes, and then that was also in 72. Brian didn't run a full season in it. Um, Jim took over in late 72, I believe, and then 73, Letcher drove it as the 58. I was just going to say, I think Mark. Yeah, that was the first the year I started going to the track. He yeah. was in it, and then it became the six for Baldy Baker. Okay. And yeah. Baldy ran it, and then Jim Cheney drove it for a bit, and then Baldy came back in. They had built a copy, mm-hmm. which was the... Um, trying to think where this came in. It was the, gosh, I don't know where it started, but it ended up as the seven in 75 that Cheney drove. Um, Baldy retired out of the six, came back to drive the seven, and then decided for whatever reason he wanted the six back, so they swapped. So they ran that that year together as teammates, and then... um. Baldy retired or went back to the 93 and they had George boss and Rick Rivette split the season the next year in the six. And then I, I guess it went on from there. I guess Brian bought it. And I think it was 77 when he ran it. Um, yeah. And then it sat for a while and yeah, it did then sit. you got it. It's, it did sit for a while. Even after uh, Howard did some work on it, yeah. it was sitting for a while. But uh, Steve Miller, he probably knows more about that car than anybody, I would think. It, uh, he took a bunch of the parts and stuff that he was using, you know, for restoring stuff that he yeah. does. But we had some old brake parts and stuff there he was interested in. But It's interesting. But that's that where, car that, had that's a lot where of... that thing ended up was down in Indianapolis, anyhow, the chassis. It's so, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and then, you, of course, you bought your first uh, show car and... Uh, this isn't is this isn't your first show car, is it? Yeah, is it? Yeah, it's, it's just a different one? body on okay. there. Okay, okay. Um, you went to oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. that's one. Yeah, that's um. There. So you had a couple of different body styles on yeah, the same chassis, it's basically okay. the same same okay. chassis. Okay, so you obviously liked what Howard the work he did to to go back and and pick that as your first new car. Yeah, you know and. Um, that car, that chassis there was pretty much a copy of the Ron Wallace it car looks that it. he you destroyed. Tell. Yeah. Unfortunately, he oh. took a hard hit there. But Golly, Bill. Ronnie, uh, that, that, I don't know if I know a driver who ever had more bad luck, yeah. especially in classics. That poor guy, I wanted him to win a classic so bad, <laughs> you know, and, the, and he just never did. It was not in the cards. Um, but oh, he took some vicious hits the last couple of years. And I think he, I think he, I, I don't want to say it like he destroyed them, but I think um, through crashes, I think he lost three cars, three <laughs> different show cars, um, in you know within a couple of year period, at least two. Um, and but those were beautiful cars. Howard Conkey did such nice work back then. Yeah, I think unfortunately that that night when uh, Ron hit the wall so hard, I think he had a th- stop throttle on there, but. Uh... Boy, he sure oh, yeah, he, yeah, I think the steering broke once, and I think he, the, the throttle stuck once. He had two really yeah. hard crashes. Yes. Um, he was leading the race at one of them. Yeah. I think that was the, the throttle. And, oh, gosh, I can still picture that hit like it was last night. And, and it just, some hits you just, 
they're the kind of hits you just immediately start worrying. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? yeah. And thankfully, he was able to escape all of that. But yeah, wow, definitely. you know. Um, but yeah, that was those. That was a beautiful car. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm curious the first few times you got in the original car mm-hmm. and came to Oswego, because obviously, a little different from Flamborough, um, what were your first impressions? And had you well, been to Oswego before? We'd been to Oswego before. Um, the last time I'd been there before we started racing was when uh, I was there for Classic when Gary Elbert won. Okay. I'm not sure what year that, that was. 75. was 75. Yeah. That was the last year we were there. So the biggest problem we had when we come in there with that car, we were supposed to uh, run at Oswego and then go to Cuga for the Sunday race. Ah. On, on that weekend. And it was only my father and myself to come in there with the car. Well, the first thing we oh, had wow. to do was remember how to get to the track. So we had to stop <laughs> and get directions to get to the track to start with. So we got into the track, and, and uh, a couple of the first guys to come and help us out was uh, Timmy Nelson and, and uh, Bob Smith, Smitty. Oh, my. Yeah, they used to hang around Two together. young kids at that point. Yeah, and they were right over there to help us. And, and actually, Kevin Lyons, I think, was there, too, giving oh, us wow. some help. Yeah. Yeah, Timmy was a hoot, wasn't he? Oh yeah, the I last thing that boy stories. ever needed was Jolt. I can tell you some stories about <laughs> taking Timmy and Smitty back to Canada with us. So. Oh god, yeah, we'd bring them back for the week with us. It's so. a family show, Don. Can we tell them on a family <laughs> show? Because I, I don't know. I and that sounds like it could be a slippery slope. There. Yeah, yeah, they were they were pretty good characters. I'll tell oh, you. Oh, I bet they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had a lot of fun with them. They're good Definitely guys. miss Smitty and, uh, you know, Timmy's yeah. done a great job for himself down here. And, um, but man, those, they were, they must've been just, uh, barely out of the cradle back. Yeah. Then, well, back I can then. tell you a funny story about Timmy, if you want to hear it. Sure. Well, the we- one year, one year classic, um, we're just, we're out on the, on the, the start line there. Yeah. The start. We had a side fuel cell in there that we used uh, uh, electric fuel pump to sure. pump from the back into the side cell. Well, Timmy, he was always wanting to get in the car, so it started raining. They were going to call the race off till the next day. So Timmy, wanted, Timmy, he wanted to get in the car and drive it in, so he brought it in. And unfortunately, the, uh, the toggle switch, he hit the toggle switch for the fuel pump when he was pulling the car in. So by the time he got to the pits there, that side cell was about twice as big as what it was supposed to be. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Well, you yeah. know, he uh, he was a character. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Timmy just, and, and hopefully at some point, I'd love to be able to hook up with Timmy to do a show. Cause yeah. I'm sure that'll be um, a story a minute, too. But it, it, I, it's funny because... Uh, I think it was, it was in 1999, Timmy had come down here and was working on the Hendrick 25 team at, at the time. And I, I brought uh, somebody down with me for, for a, a few days. Um, I was kind of prospecting for, for possible work down here. And um, we, uh, we were going to tour some shops too. So I took him to Hendrick and uh, he said, well, now how, how are we going to know? I said, you know, we'll just look through the window. You can't obviously get onto the, the floor with the with the cars and whatever, but you can look through the window. He said, how are you going to know which one's Timmy? And my response was, have you ever watched Ricochet Rabbit? And he said, yes. And I said, that's Timmy. I said, the Rick, the one that, that's ricocheting from one end of the chop to the yeah. other will be Timmy Nelson. Yeah. 
no sooner did we get to the window and here's this guy comes sprinting from left to right across the window <laughs> to the, the uh, and, uh, and and I said there he is and it, it was Timmy he he was always a bundle of energy yeah well, that's yeah. why I said the last thing that boy ever needed was a jolt sponsorship no, no. but um, nobody better to represent it though for sure uh, Timmy Timmy was uh, a straight he was you know what he he did good mechanical work he was really meticulous the cars always look beautiful and he he really oh, yeah. came a long way as a driver yeah he did some work for us there he built us some headers and stuff and they were just immaculate yeah 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 i mean you know he's kind of easy to to poke fun at because you know he is was so hyper and you know he would always it was funny because we always used to tease him because of course he would he'd go in you know 10 laps from the end of the race get a new right retire come out and then you know run with the leaders so to yeah. speak yeah. and uh you know, I remember one night my brother and I went over and we were talking to him and do you see me? I was just playing with Bentley, he says, and my brother looks at him, he goes, You were on seven lap old tires, Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but uh yeah. you know, it was uh he he was he was a lot of fun and I'm sure and, and that was it seemed at the time because I know he 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 did a little bit with Duncan, I think, early and then Yeah. Um I think uh, Osetic when John Cook was driving, I think Timmy was yeah, uh, a and part he of was, that deal. And he was in with Haluka, Joe Haluka, too. He came yeah. up to Joe's in Canada. And, yeah, and, uh, actually, that was the first yeah. car he drove was the old exactly, 23 yeah. car. That's yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe let him uh, look after the car, and he brought it down there and raced it. Yeah, yeah. Timmy was... Uh, Timmy was a character, and and again he he proved his knowledge because he came down here, and I I think he's still working for either a shock company or a brake company. I can't remember which it is. I'm but, not sure. Um, he was he's been he's been doing that for quite a while, and um, just a very very intelligent guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. and a nice guy too. Yeah, yeah. It would be fun to to get him on. But you 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 started with the show car. Talk a little bit about your driving career because. There was a point where you stopped driving and started putting other people in cars, but you were a pretty capable driver in your own right while you were driving. Yeah, well, part of our problem was uh, when we were driving, myself, was we were always having engine problems. We were always having problems because we were doing our own, our own engine program, and and uh, seemed like we just get it right and something go wrong. And yeah, and at that time we were buying. Uh, a lot of machine parts um, uh, from different places, um, putting the stuff together. And I still remember Tom Haveron coming down saying to me, why do you guys keep messing around? Why don't you just go buy a Miles and get this over with so you don't have all this problem? But Easy for Tom to say. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually, once we did do the, do the next car, we decided that we'd just go ahead and get a miles motor and we should have done that in the first place so yeah it's always a fight right you figure well if i can do it myself it'll be cheaper yeah you know and it's that's why i tell i work with a lot of younger drivers and and, and daddy always wants to well let's buy a car no 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 when you get to the late model level there are too many teams now that are good solid organizations that do these arrive and drive kind of things mm -hmm. and you know if you aren't a mechanic if you can't work on it and you buy your own car and you try to do it yourself, you may spend less per race, but when the motor blows or the rear end blows, you got to fix it. And you're going up against teams with twice the budget. They're going to beat you yeah. more often than not. And yeah. so that it's kind of the, the struggle. Will I spend more for a miles 
but I won't have to keep replacing, you know, have that, less issues with yeah, it. Yeah, that was the problem. We, you know, a lot of DNFs. We just, yeah. you know, different stuff going on. And uh, uh, when I was driving, we we're a little bit stingy with the tires a little bit too. Or, you know, we we try and get by with tires uh, for two weeks and stuff too. But Why first, you- once you put a driver in it, then you got to have all the good stuff on it. So well, that's true. Yeah, that- I mean that's. But now that bring, but that begs the question: Why did you stop driving? Why did you not sort of give yourself the good stuff for a couple of years and see? Well, we we did the last year I ran. I had the miles motor in it. We had pretty good. We had a pretty good year that year. Um, but it just got to the point where where um, the the uh, Graves cars they were starting to come in and whoop everybody. And uh, Doug and Doug Didero and myself, we were pretty good friends. And I thought, you know what? Why don't we just get a new car, new driver, new motor, and go? And I can just look after the car and let him drive because that's what he knew how to do. Well, it certainly produced some magic, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Uh, you and Doug had some great success together. And I think that I, I, I go back through Doug's career, and he, of course, he was one of my first interviews on the new show, and he came came to the studio in Mooresville. But, um, you know, I told Doug, I said, R- Ralph McLaughlin and his family grew up right kitty corner to our house. Mm-hmm. So I I grew up with them. And so Ralph bought and Steve Miller drove it for a little bit, and then he buys the show car. Um, and Doug ends up in the older car first, and yep. then ends up when he got in the, in the B, as they used to call it. Mm-hmm. When he got in the B, um, that's B-E-E for those of you listening, because it was black and yellow. Um, when he got in that car, that was where I thought he first showed that he could, you mm-hmm. know, could really drive. But then he got in Kemp's car. Now, you told me, before we pushed the record button here, you told me that you were part and partial of him getting the opportunity in um, in the 28 for, for Kempton. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, at the time... Uh... Clyde Booth and and uh, Kempton and and uh, us, we we tried to give uh, Gordon Motors a try, and and uh, Kempton, you know, I'd been talking to him and he he was talking about getting out of the car, so we we're on the phone. I said, "Why don't you just give Doug a try to get in the car?" So I guess you know he went from there. I gave Doug a call and Doug accepted and gave it a. Doug few weeks. Tell, Doug will say that Kempton kind of was the one that he really give that that opportunity in the twenty eight is what kind of brought him out and people and that's where I was going too because when he got in that car, the way that he drove it and, yeah. and took yeah, it straight took to the off. front, it was just yeah. like oh my gosh, yeah. this guy's a talent. And again, having no idea of Doug's previous background, really. Um, but then he goes to your car. And I think, I feel like it was in your car. You know, you look at people's lives or their careers as chapters. And I feel like him being in your car was really what set him up to go drive for Skip and then to have the success that he had with Skip later on. Um, when he got in your car, I mean, it just was... He was tough every week. Yeah, well, he was actually driving for Skip before that, too. He was driving for Skip 
And then he then he uh, uh, came and drive for us. Okay, so yeah. you started with Skip first. Yeah. Okay. And the old. Uh, I re- I remember him meet. Troyer oh, that's car. True. Yes, that was he the did. old Troyer. Yes, car. Yes, yeah. it was the Troyer car. Yeah, yeah. and then he went back to Skip. Exactly. Later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. With yeah, the, with right. the Greaves chassis. You're right. Yeah. Um, but but I feel like that time with you is what really propelled him. It, it just it it just seems like the success he had with you gave him the confidence. Mm-hmm. to go back to skip. And so talk a little bit about what racing with Doug was like, because it's obvious he had the talent to win. What, what was the, the, the relationship, the communication like, and, and what was it like to go racing with him? And then why, what happened there that he kind of went back to skip and you moved on, I think with Kenny Williamson at that point, if I, well, right. He, not, he, he, uh, he went with skip quite a bit after we had, uh, it, it was the, the last year that we owned the car that uh, Steve Joy had drove for us. That's right. Steve got in it. Yeah. 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 And then uh, then that following year, well, I guess it was the no. following year that he come back with Skip and Steve had bought the car from us. But you had Kenny Williamson in there somewhere he, in between, he, too, Yeah, right? you know, it's kind of a... Because I remember him Doug, running Holland. With yeah, him. well, when Doug decided he was going to... Um, Moved down south here to pursue, you know, yeah. different driving deals or whatever he could find. Well, yeah, he had, he did some Indian, some NASCAR stuff. Yeah, yeah. he kind of left. Uh, we we didn't really. He, it was too much for him to travel back and forth to drive. So okay, we decided we were going to do something different for okay. drivers. We weren't exactly sure. Um, Andy Graves, he called me and, and uh, wanted wanted to put Jeff Gordon in the car. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And I said, Andy, I says, I'll drive this car myself before I'll put a rookie in it. Wow. Now, <laughs> no, that was a big mistake there. I was going to say, do you look back and wish you'd done something different there? Yeah, now? I might have, because I did drive it myself for about three or four weeks. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I, that might have been a great idea, Don. Yeah. You, yeah. you might have been uh, a, a historical footnote at yeah. that point. Uh, yeah, because Andy had been helping Jeff Oak quite a bit out. You know, Man. yeah, yeah, he he was trying to get Jeff into the supers. And I, I just want to, I, Don, you're a great friend, but I just want to look at you and, and pull a Dr. Phil here. What were you, you thinking? thinking? Yeah, I know it. I know it. Could have had so, Jeff Gordon in the car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, see, this is why we do these interviews, folks. <laughs> this is the stuff you learn. I had no idea. Um, and Jeff did run a couple races in the super up in New England, but yeah. never obviously. How would, how, boy, you just look back and wonder what would have happened there. Yeah, well, I know. It, oh you know, I just goodness. couldn't think of putting a rookie in the car, you know. And <clears throat> that, wow. was a, that was a pretty bad mistake. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it, it can't go back now, right? Yeah. Um, so you did, you came back, and then, yeah, you and Steve got together. But I want to get back. What was it like to drive with or race with Daryl, go racing with him? Because, I, I mean, it seems like what he knew about race cars you know, and in his aggressiveness and his, yeah, well, he was a lot he, of heart there. Yeah, he was. He's a hard worker. Yeah, hard worker. Whenever we were working on the cars, he was there. Um, learned a lot of stuff. You know, he he, you know, took everything in, learned everything, and uh, seemed to be a quick learner too. Yeah, very quick, smart. Yeah. So then, uh, as far as racing goes, like you know, the, the Oswego and the Isma, we had. Tons of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure. It was fun. I mean, we really did. Doug and Cindy and myself. And 
my wife Janine and and uh, our crew, we, we always had a good time. And in those days, it wasn't quite so costly. I mean, it was certainly no. expensive enough, but it, you could still travel a little bit. And of course, it didn't take a different car to go run Isma at that time. That was, was, that so was a great was, thing about it. You could you just know, take the car, put the wing on it, and go race. It was really like a traveling family. Yeah. We were lucky enough to be sponsored by Quality Inn, too. So That's I, right. Quality yeah. Inn Riverside. Yeah. So that, Fulton. that helped out on her. Yeah. You know, on all her uh, expenses for traveling. So then a little later, you got together with Steve. What what prompted that? Because I thought well, that was the an joy interesting is, The joy is in uh, us have always been pretty good friends, um, right from the giddy-up. And we always got along good with Steve and... and um, we were at the at the end of the year there. We were trying to do some stuff with Isma, and we actually had uh, a few different people in the car. I drove it a couple of times. Uh, Gary Alberton drove for us a couple of times. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. he ran the uh, Sandusky Classic for us that okay. last year. That one. would make sense. Yeah, and then would come time uh, for the last race out there at Thompson. I called Steve and asked if he wanted to drive the car, and he said, "Yeah." So we just kind of went from there for the following next year so it became steve it, it became that steve drove your car mm-hmm. and his car sat pretty much and of course then mm-hmm. uh that would have been about what was that 93 i think yeah, um, yeah right around there because uh he, he he got uh doug Heveron to come up and drive, yes. drive his car for him that year classic yes um we we had a good we started i think it was outside pool that year and had Something happened. I can't remember what happened. I don't Something either. broke on it, but anyhow. Larry's, but Larry's really saying well. it out loud as, as you're, you know, because I'm sure Larry remembers. <laughs> uh, so Larry's going, no, this is what happened. Um, and, I, I mean, Doug could have won that race were it not for um, being crashed, squeezed into yeah. the outside wall yeah. after a pit stop. Um, but uh, you guys were both fast, but it was it was just interesting because, again, that sort of broke tradition for the Joya family. Mm-hmm. You know, they were always used to doing their own thing, and then next thing you know, he's driving a car that isn't even a nine. Yeah, you know, and that. Um, um, let's see, there it is. Oh, right we skipped there. a few pictures there. Yeah, we'll get we'll get back to those. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's is that Stephen? Yes, that's oh. Stephen there, and there's a young Larry. Uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, let me. Uh, let me I got to look at this a little closer. That is indeed a young Larry. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Larry Trinka, um, staring. Something's going on behind. This is a victory lane shop for those of you um, looking uh, or listening to the show. And uh, it's triple 35s. I don't remember a triple 35s. That's interesting. I'm sure I was there, but I don't remember that. It might have been. It clearly says Burt's Home Center triple 35s. Might have been limited at a 35 lap or two. Oh, maybe that. Yes, that's probably what it was. Yeah. yeah two for the Supers and one for the Limiteds. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Stephen Victory Lane with young Stephen. Gosh, I don't even know. Maybe 10 or 12 if at that, that time. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, he might be younger. Um, and, uh, yeah, and there's Larry Trinkoff, the left rear of the car. Interesting. Of course, Larry will want to see a copy of that picture. Yeah, well, he was probably trying to set beer on the back of the car. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it was. Uh, but you guys had a pretty good year that year. And, and then... Yeah, well, I kind of goofed up at the first of the year because I was, I was committed to, to running the Goodyear tires. Oh. And I stuck with Goodyear. I was really stuck with Goodyear for quite a while. And it was I see a Hoosier. About, yeah, about right mid-season. Rear. Mid-season. We started putting the, the, the Hoosiers, Hoosiers on it. 
And okay. it just took off for Steve there. Uh, that was just the, the big difference. And then he bought the car. Yep. And yep. you went away quietly. Yeah. Or did you? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty quiet. Yeah. Yeah, you, I gave you didn't. Yeah, I was helping out Cliffy Graves a little bit, and every once in a while, I give those guys a hand. Steve, did you just decide I don't want to be a carter anymore? Or yeah, what well, is... it was getting very expensive. Ah, okay. <laughs> and um, we did have some help. We had a kind of a silent partner out of Canada that did own okay. the motors, and that was uh, if you see on the cars there, some places it says "Thanks, Roscoe," and that was Ross okay. Pryor. Yeah. Okay, and uh, he he actually owned the trailer too, so he really looked after us. He was a good guy. Well, it's uh, I mean, you had again. I always you look back and the opportunities that you had and the drivers that you had in the car, and and re- again, really, you know, giving Doug an opportunity and and giving uh, then teaming with Steve and kind of um, I think in a way maybe uh, a a the last hurrah sort of for, for Steve. I mean, uh-huh. he was around for a while after that, but it seemed like that was his last really good season. If I remember correctly. Yeah. He had a pretty good um, season the next year. Yeah. He won, he won the, uh, Mr. Bonafide. The That's 10, right. He, won the Mr. he didn't Super, win yeah. that. Yeah. Um, not sure. I think he might've won another ace. I'm not sure, but, um, we, we, we had a pretty good year that last year when he drove for us. If we'd have, Put the Hoosiers on right from the giddy up. I think we'd have had something. For that them. would have been interesting. Yeah. And again, those are things that you don't pick up on sending no. you to the grandstand. No. You know? I still kick myself for that one. No. You know, again, yeah. it's it's it it's hard to look. You can you make great decisions now in the seventies, right? I mean, you look back and, <laughs> and you can you know every, every you can see everything you should have done differently, but yeah, you know, it's not always that cut and dried. Uh, you know, and and so, uh, but that was fun that year that Steve raced for you. It was fun to watch. You were, you guys were a great team, and and uh, yeah. Well, we had we had know. a lot of good pick guys. You know, like yeah. we had all Steve's guys plus my guys too, and and uh, they're all good. Yeah, every one of them for sure. Yeah. Um, what stands out the most when you think back about your career at Oswego? Well. Uh, Mostly, I, I just, uh, some of the stuff I enjoyed a lot was uh, after the races. The fans had come over to visit, um, packed grandstands back then, front and back a lot of the times. Um, it was always great to have the Canadians come down and cheer oh, us on. And, and I, love, uh, I love Canadians. Yeah. I do. I just, I tell everybody down here, of course, it's funny how many Canadians there are down here now. Yeah. Um, but, um, it, you know, growing up, you know, you 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 hear from the from the get go, or I understood from the get go through people that I met that the Canadians could party pretty hard, <laughs> and you know the classic, especially it's a oh, long yeah. weekend, right? And so I remember one year um, there was a Canadian sitting right in front of us, and uh, in the grandstand. And apparently he'd been partying pretty hard all weekend. And by the time the race started, he just sort of fell over, just leaned right <laughs> over. And he, he didn't see a lap of the classic that year. That he, right? he just he slept all the way through us. it. He, <laughs> he may have. Uh, but it, it just, so I always appreciated. And of course, Conium was one, I was a Jimmy fan and a Conium fan. And Conium was 
Cody was just so friendly to me. And yeah. He and Jimmy both learned my name and, and would talk to me as if I mattered. Mm-hmm. And when you're a kid, that matters. That's important. You know, that connection to your heroes. And so Warren was a Canadian, so that kind of made... And, you know, once I started covering races and was able to go to Cayuga or go to Mossport, you know, and and, and then um, my cousin married a Canadian, Brian Course, mm-hmm. my, my cousin Patty, um, you know, you just get to know, and such nice people, and so much a part of the... Not just racing in Oswego, but the history. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. many successful Canadians, yeah. if you think back, especially in the earlier days. You know, guys like Andrews and, and Clapham and, and yep. of course, Gary Witter, um, Spencer and Macrath. And, yep. and yeah, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, Conium and um, and then, you know, you came along and, and Didero. And um, so... Uh, just so much fun to have that be a part of mm-hmm. and and um and now of course there's not as many who race you know McKnight is still around with Gary Morton occasionally um we've got Ray Valls, um but there's not too much Canadian no, it's Action, pretty, it's it's pretty just, tough so, on them, you yeah. know, with the money exchange right now. Yeah. And, and, and there's uh, not any the tracks travel. running them over there regularly. No, none at all. You know, which is kind of sad. Um, it makes it but, even harder the way the rules are now with 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 the the differences in the rules with the cars. You know, yeah. you can't just if you want to run an Isma race, you got to have something special. Well, that's to do the it. thing, and, and it, yeah, the Lickties that brings me to mind with the Lickties and yeah. Mark Salmon. I mean, there's just so many. I'm probably still forgetting a hundred, but um, you know, you think about some of the little guys like Rick Batters and and, yeah. and gosh, I uh, Cecil Stevens, I think was Canadian. Yeah. Um, Doug Sire, of course. Yeah. Uh, my gosh, could I feel like yeah. we could go well, Mark, on forever? Mark used to run. Uh, he started off with go karts with my nephews. Ran okay. go karts with Mark. Yeah, they're good friends with him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. he's a good guy, Mark. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's it just has been so much fun to be in a Swiggle Speedway fan over the years. Of and, course, we got to remember Gary Evans too. Oh gosh, yeah, Jim yeah. Brown. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there again. That's why I said you. We can sit here and, and yeah. there's still probably forty of them that were not. Yeah, Gary Evans was a good guy and hacker. And, uh, Brownie, Brownie. He was. He was a smart guy. He knew where the gas pedal was. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes may not have lifted quite soon enough, but he knew where it was. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. He was, I mean, and again, his workmanship, you know, he was another one that could build a nice car. Yeah. Um, well, ask Ray Sand about Jim Brown. Oh, <laughs> did they have, I remember the one with Rizzo the most. That was the one that, uh, that, that stands out to me. Um, and it was one of those where, you know, Mike hits, and then if you were captioning the video, it would be later on the same day, Brownie comes along, and, and it's just like, wow, what happened here? Yeah, well, this, this was at the start of the Classic. Uh, uh, Ray was just in front of me at the start. It was like the first, first lap going into turn three. And uh, Jimmy, he decided, well, maybe I'll go underneath everybody. And he got he got into me and Dick Batchelder. Oh, is that what caused yeah. Ray's? Yeah, I was up in the wall. Into- yeah. Oh gosh. All I could see was Ray's eyes. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, that car was so beautiful yeah. too. Yeah. I love that car, the upright design, and they had gotten that thing to run it, and it was just oh, that's yeah. 
That's too yeah, bad. Yeah, he had a good qualifying that was, year, yeah. 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 But that was, unfortunately, Jimmy got a Yeah. And that's, you know, again, what were you thinking? You yeah. know, um, racers are going to race sometimes. Right. He was always very aggressive. Uh, but, yeah, Gary was always a really nice guy. Um, gosh, Dave Hosey, the Hoopers. Yep. Um, you know, good grief. I mean, um, such a wonderful group of people. And... Uh, yeah, I just love, love that. And it, and it's just funny that, um, in the, of course, you know, as you said, that the money becomes an issue and then the exchange rate becomes yeah, an issue. Definitely. And, you know, again, time is so, everybody's so busy now mm-hmm. and you got, if you've got to travel X amount of hours, I mean, you were from where Guelph, do I remember? Yeah, Guelph that's correct. Yeah. So it, how far, far with you're over five hours yeah. one way. So, I mean, you yeah. got to. It, that's a tough deal. Yeah, to do now. Yeah, to to race. That, on, you know, part of that basis. part of that traveling back then was a lot of fun too. Believe it or not. Oh, I'm sure we had a yeah. we had a pickup truck there and an open trailer. We had a cap on the back yeah, of the you pickup. Can't place the open trailers either. Yeah, and we used to put the oh. the sofa in the back and throw the nephews in there, my kids, and away we go riding in the back. That's funny. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It. I mean, it's. I I tell people all the time, a swigo is, and I mean. There's a lot of a lot of generationalism, as I would say. I don't even know if that's a word, but mm-hmm. in the sport in general. But it seems like with a swigo and the supers, it's it's even more of the smaller group, right? Yep. It, like ev- almost half the field is somebody's son or grandson or nephew or yeah. you know, and and even um, you know off the track, you you see a lot of that and. It's just an amazing thing to be a part of now. It, it yeah, I'm going to be 53, and just to be able to know all these people yeah. and to be able to look back and realize what we were all lucky enough to see and do mm-hmm. for so many years, yeah. you know. And 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 I'm sure this. You said earlier the stories you could tell. You know, I'm sure there's tons of them. Um, what, what think is there is there one or two that come to mind that you could safely tell on a family show about uh, somewhere in your career or somebody or whatever? Well, there's there's a lot of them really, but um, one of the, uh, one one thing that always bothered me a little bit was you know my father he was behind the whole thing that we never ever myself were was able to get a, a big win for him. Okay. Um, luckily he was still alive for Doug to get a couple for him. That's good. Yeah. So that was good. But as far as fun things, I mean, there's some good stories from Sandusky, uh, you know, places like that. Seems like there's a lot of stories from Sandusky. <laughs> I, everybody says, everybody wants to tell stories from Sandusky and I, and, and it's sort of funny. It's like, what is it about Sandusky that, that produces all those stories? I mean, for me, it's all about, you know, Cedar Point and whatever else. But, you know, what what is it about Sandusky? Well, Why are there so many stories from Sandusky? Yeah, Ohio? well, there were some of them stories there where, <laughs> you know, out maybe going around the track and Letcher's Motorhome at night. And, no. Yeah, that could have happened. That could have happened. Did it happen? <laughs> it might have. <laughs> were you driving? No. No. Was Mark driving? Yeah, he could have been. That's dangerous. <laughs> That's really dangerous because by then I would have assumed that Mark would have been thirsty and might have had a had some had a few a few things to drink. That might have been possible too. Holy cats! But uh, in a motorhome, yeah. 
And then there, nice uh, high center of gravity for the corners there. Yeah. That, earlier on at Sandusky, <laughs> too, there was a little bit of a problem that we had with inspection. Uh-oh. Uh, Larry, Larry uh, Bowes was still looking after the track back then. Okay. And uh, they decided that uh, our left header didn't have a muffler in it. Did it? No. Oh, okay. So they were right. Okay. So they decided that since we didn't have a muffler in there, they were going to decrease our purse money by 10%. Oh, I bet that went over like a Belgian church. Yeah. So anyhow, we ended up uh, back in Canada, all the gauges and stuff they used to measure the width of the tires, the, the, the fire extinguishers, everything was in our trailer and went back to Canada that we could get a hold of. I see. <laughs> so, so we got our 10% back. And back then there wasn't an eBay to sell them on to make the money back, but you just figured it yeah. wasn't even trade. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the height, you know, height <laughs> bars and stuff like that they had. Yeah. We, we decided we could use them better. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, see, so you can tell that now because I think the statute of limitations oh, yeah, has probably run out by then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By now, that's funny. It's uh, it, it's amazing how when you think back and you start remembering, it's it's like something will pop in your head. And you go, I haven't thought about that in thirty years. No, you know. Um, do you ever see anybody else down here? Do you run into Doug at all? I mean, I know you're both here, but you're both. Yeah, uh, again, everybody's doing their own thing. All not the time. really. Um, we were uh, one of the guys that used to help us on the car. Had a Dave Guile had a twenty uh, fifth wedding anniversary. Okay party uh when was that maybe five years ago and ran into doug there and that's probably about the last time i've seen him that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. we need to do a song i don't even know whether i'd recognize him now you need to get get jimmy for because jimmy's down here jimmy Ferlito's down here and of course jimmy yeah. knows everybody yeah. jimmy knows everybody who's ever been involved with a swiggo or the super modifieds he knows them. Yeah. Yeah. he's got all their phone numbers he's probably got you know like files of information uh -huh. on everybody you know um it's it's probably scary well, i always knows. thought we should get together and have a party all these that's what i was just gonna North say Carolina we need to sometimes. get jimmy to do us we need to, to get a southern yep. a swigo super modified uh event going I'd, somewhere I'd in the that. south here yeah yeah we that. need to get that going yeah. uh, jimmy ferlito if you're listening to this call me um <laughs> that's uh that would be you know we we do it every year up in oswego Mm -hmm. But there's so many of us down here, yep. you know, and it wouldn't even have to be formal. Just Not at all. Just uh, <laughs> rent a bar somewhere. Yep. Um, somewhere you know, where we can park motorhomes. And yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and see, we need to get Bentley to buy a saloon down here. Yes. You know, that's what we need. We need a Bentley saloon south. And then we'll organize the party and we'll, yeah, that's uh, that would be a once a year kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think it'd be great. That's, we're going to make that plan. Larry Trink is going, I want to come. Um, <laughs> and uh, that, that should be uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, or we can, you know, we could do, we could just get everybody together and we'll all go to Larry's house. Now that would be a good idea. See? Yeah. yeah, we, we could, uh, Larry's got a decent sized yard. So yeah. we could all just, uh, have a big party at Larry's house. Yeah, one day. I think that would work. Yeah. 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 Larry's going, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> Wendy's going, what have you gotten me into? Uh, but, uh, yeah, we need to do that at some point because yeah. there's just too many of us here. 
to uh, to not get together once a year and you know oh, there's a lot just of... sit around and talk supers. That's right. You know, uh, and that's really to me what this show is about. I just want to sit around and talk supers. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we did a live event a couple of weeks ago, and everybody wants me to do another one. So we'll do it. We'll we'll do another one in June on Facebook um, at some point. And you know, it's just a fun group of people. And to to have you come in and, and, and take the time out of out of your life to sit down and talk, I really appreciate it, Don. It's been a lot of fun, um, and it's 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 something that uh, I, I think we need to do a little more often. And um, you know, and I and again, I appreciate you taking the time. You for so long were so much a part of the Speedway and the Super Modified Division. And I know I speak for all of the fans when I say thank you for the blood, sweat, and tears because it, anybody that that owns a Super, races a Super, sponsors a Super, uh, keeps the division going and keeps it alive. And, you know, it's it's such a niche division, and we all love it. And it's getting harder and harder, it seems, to keep it you know, keep it alive and keep it going and keep everybody kind of on the same page. And uh, you were a, a very special part of the track at a time when uh, it was in its heyday. And so, again, thanks for thanks for taking some time. Oh, no problem. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's one of the one thing. And uh, if you're going to run this, you got to be committed. I mean, you yes. just got to be committed to doing it absolutely um it's one of the hardest things i ever had to do is say nope that's enough we got to stop before we had no money left at all yeah you know yeah it just really it really skyrocketed in a hurry mm-hmm. and of course once the uh arrow cars came in they yeah. just went out of sight but it's it really skyrocketed pretty quickly yeah just in uh, the late 80s into the you 90s, know like right back then when we were doing it you know it was 60 dollars to put a put a shock on the car yeah you know i just can't imagine how these guys are doing it now with what yeah what they're doing i don't know so. i i'm not enough that would be a, a nice timmy nelson question yeah you yeah, know exactly. explain to me why the two thousand dollar shock idea is better than this you know 250 dollar shock idea yeah. i i i need somebody to sit me down and explain and i and i think there's something about the adjustability i guess you got one set of those and you know it replaces 10 different shocks of the old type. Um, but if you're only running one track, yeah, you know, do you really change shocks that much? Do you really want to adjust your shocks from week to week and to swiggle that much? Uh, so it's, it's just some of that's interesting to me, but it certainly did one, raise the cost. Uh, a few years ago, we were, I guess it was four or five years ago, we were up to the, the reunion up there. Yeah. At, uh, I think you were there too. Probably was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was an ISMA show that night that was going on at the track. And uh, we went up, of course, we went to watch the races and everything. Yeah. But they were, I mean, if I was still, had the cars, I'd love it. Yeah. How fast they go. Yeah. How fast, nobody's going to catch me. Yeah. But the thing I couldn't get over was once the race started, it was just all follow the leaders because everybody's so fast. They're going so fast, they can't pass. Yeah, that's, see, that's, and that's what's hard. Yeah. As, as an observer like myself. hmm I, I try to explain to people, they say, well, why, why do you want to slow? Why do you want everybody to go slower? Because the racing's better. Mm-hmm. The faster you go, it's gotten now so everybody's so even and it's so fast that, that yep. unless you're in a bunch of cars, and this is why people say, well, 
so-and-so went from 22nd to 7th. And I said, well, yes, but he's dealing with traffic all night long. Mm -hmm. It's easy to make moves on people when you're right together. The front five gets spread out and nobody can run anybody down because they're all running the same speed. Whereas, you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, you had such a variance in speed and ability, Mm -hmm. and the cars were so much less stuck to the racetrack, I think, that it just made it easier to use the gas and the brake to pass. Instead of planting your foot to the floor, I feel like these cars are point and shoot, basically, now. Mm -hmm. They're almost like slot cars, and it's not just supers. Arrow has killed... NASCAR yep, and has killed everything. a lot of the sport, in, yep. in my opinion, because of that. And and again, I don't mean to be critical because I I love the guys that race today and they're very talented. And I don't buy, you know, into this nonsense of well, you took him and put him back in the seventies. It's like every era is different. Yeah. Let's not go there. Oh yeah, because uh, I can think of at least a handful of the drivers that are racing up there today. Um, and we'll exclude Gozik because he's been racing since 1980. <laughs> um, but there's a handful of them at least that I could think of that I could put into your car back in the day, and they would have been just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the talent is talent. Yeah. But the cars are just to a point where you're right. It's it's a different race you're watching. Yeah. You know, it, the guy the the guy on the pole drives away and wins, and it isn't because. They're starting the best guy in the pole every week. It's because there's 15 best guys. Mm-hmm. And they don't break. Yeah, and they don't break. No. And that's it, even NASCAR. You yeah. know, you hear the fans talk about, oh, these races are boring now. Mm-hmm. Well, part of it's because most of the cars finish. Nobody blows a motor anymore, hardly. Mm-hmm. Nobody crashes anymore, mm-hmm. hardly. They're and, impossible to and spin And 30 on. of them end up on the same lap. Yep. Yep. So it's a different style. It's a different race today than it used to be. And so... The, the I think the the purest in me who wants to think with common sense says we've gone too far in one direction. We have to go backwards, and we have to make the cars less. Uh, we have to make them handle worse because the worse they handle, the more the driver actually has to drive them, and that's when you get the racing and side by side passing. Yeah, the problem is now that they've learned, you can't forget what you that's learned. Correct. So, <laughs> so it's like it, it, that's always the dilemma, and and you get you know uh, uh, you'll get a, a, a team owner like John Nicotra. Well, I'm not interested in going backwards, and I totally get it mm-hmm. because be, of if course I, I, if I was won. still doing it. I'd be the same way. I yeah, want to go as fast. Exactly. As I can. Nobody yeah. wants to go backwards, yeah. but yet you look and you see. Well, NASCAR's got this Gen Seven car they're coming out with. That's more of a sports car, and in that sense, it's less aero-dependent uh, in a lot of ways. And all of the feedback that the drivers who tested it were, were giving is trending toward it requires much more driver yeah. input. And easier control. to spin out. Easier to spin out because yeah. it doesn't self-correct. Yeah. And, and it's like good that's what we need. Mm-hmm. And that's what you and I grew up watching, what you grew up doing, obviously. Um, and so it's just different now. And you're right. It's the ISMA shows. I want to be careful how I say this, because I honestly don't mean to, to disrespect, but the last couple of ISMA classics were terrible mm-hmm. because one, you didn't have a lot of cars, but two, there's no racing at all. Yeah. You know, you get one or two maybe that are racing, and and if if Lipty and Schulich catch each other, 
well, then they're going to race, but mm-hmm. and and it becomes great until they settle that, and then one falls back, and it's just follow the leader all the way, and and it's Oswego's a big track, so it requires, I think, um, how do I put this? On a smaller track, you don't get so far away. There's more mm-hmm. racing because the cars stay bunched tighter. You get to Oswego, it's a five-eighths mile. You get spread out, and nobody's really. Doing a lot of racing. It just, you know, it's just, so it's different. Um, And I'm thankful we still have Supers, which was really the the larger point I was trying to make is I'm thankful we still have them because it's harder and harder to. Yeah, that's that's what scares me is that I think that, you know, hopefully they don't go extinct because, you know, with all these different rules and it's so expensive. I think we're okay. Here's what I think. I love the 350 Super idea. Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled they did that. Um, it's going to take a couple, three years to really get it going, I think. But um, I'm thrilled they did it because I think Oswego needs A, B, and C. The SBS, formerly known as the Limited Class, did a great job, has done a great job over the years of producing great super modified racers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think to be able to go, now the Supers, it's such a jump in cost that to be able to go from an SBS to a 350. If they, this is the key, if they keep the 350 costs in line Mm -hmm. and don't let people start ruining, you know, that's, that's the key. um, Then you, you can at least get people going from A to B. And then I think it's, it's, we really have to keep the big block class contained i mean we can't let it be any more expensive than it already is nope. and it would be nice if somehow we can pull more cost out of that because if you can get that cost down a little bit now it becomes closer to the 350 um relatively speaking yeah so maybe a, a few guys could eventually you have your true step up class um you know and personally as a fan i don't care how fast they're going no not the at all year that that Doug ran the nine. I'll never forget this because even back then I just started a media and I made the point at the time that he and Eddie Bellinger ran side by side and swapped the lead several times in that classic mm-hmm. 17 sevens. Yep. The racing, it was phenomenal to watch. Yep. I don't care how fast they are. I no. care that they race well and put on great shows. Yep. You know, it's, it's people that say, uh, if you want passing, go out on the interstate. Well, that's just wrong-headed. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that are not fans. They're drivers, yep. and drivers want to go fast. You you have to be able to appreciate it from the fans' point of view. That's why a lot of times I spend a year announcing at Greenville Pickens the best show of the night at Greenville. Oftentimes was uh, the front wheel drive class, mm-hmm. the little four bangers. Mm-hmm. Those guys would go three wide through the corners sure. for 20 laps. Yep. And it was, it was great. And, and it was very exciting to watch. You never knew who was going to win. And there was never a point where you felt like, oh, it's lap seven. This guy's half a lap up. He's going to win. The late models come out and, you know, they get spread out and no cautions and it, there's no passing. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's, it's, um, so it's not just a super problem; it's it's, no. a, it's a sport wide. It's a it's a racing problem. Yeah, yeah, and and so 
it's just again it's it's interesting it's interesting how the evolution has taken place across yeah, the, the technology board. is just yeah. so high yep. yeah that's why right. now a lot of times i think fans in nascar gravitate toward the road courses mm-hmm. because you you see a lot more side-by-side racing and you know yeah. they're driving off the track and they're you know running each other tight in the corners i mean it, there's an element to that that's that's just very kind of pure and simple and so you know it's just fun stuff yeah but, uh, exactly you know but you um you have were certainly a part of the speedway at a very special time and it was it was great to be able to grow up watching you and your car do what you did uh and uh we're, we're happy that you're still well and we wish you continued uh safety and 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 health you and your family and uh hopefully we can um Organize that southern reunion at Larry's house or something. Oh, that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yep, yep, we're in for that. Okay, that's that's Don Ramage. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and close this show out uh, right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up! You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove. As we get this show finished up, and we've got uh, still some work to do here before we uh, wrap things up. Um, I want to first take you back in time a little bit since we uh, had a chance to talk to Don Ramage and had a lot of fun with that. I thought that uh, we would uh, go even farther back in time. I mentioned in the opening segment that, uh, Larry, I would justify the programs I got from Larry and the fact that I actually use them for the show um, and that I was going to do it in the last segment. Well, here's that part, okay? Um, Inside the program back then, and this is 1977, I believe. Uh, Yep, 77. The uh, program with old Snoopy on the cover, Tommy Leeson. The the program had a couple of really cool features back then that kind of disappeared uh, as time went on. And one of them was the big question. And some of the questions were good, some not so good. I mean, you can't be great every week with those. And when you've got 17 or 18 races in a season or whatever it was back then, it's a little hard to come up with a whole season full of gems. But every once in a while, they just went out of their way. Whoever wrote the big question went out of their way, and they reached down in and, and uh, they, they found... Uh, a nut, um, and this was definitely a nut. 
So here's the big question. <laughs> if you had a sidecar for your super modified, who would you want to put in it to scare the hell out of? Isn't that a great question? And here's what's really funny. <laughs> they they went so far as to put in parentheses in the program other than Dick O'Brien. <laughs> now, Obi's going to be a future guest on uh, the show. So uh, I'll have to talk to him about that. But it was funny that they went out of their way to, to exclude Obi from this uh, from the answer. Uh, I think probably it, it feels like probably because they knew that most of the drivers would have picked Obi, right? So the the first answer off the top is Freddie Graves. And here's what Freddie says. Dick's wife, Linda. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you get down through, again, some of the answers are great, some not so great. Doug Sire, uh, my son-in-law, Warren Conium. I'd straighten out his hair. <laughs> um, let's see. Rex Kenny said Jim Felito. Uh Steve Joya had an interesting answer, though it was obviously left uh, to the imagination. He said, I can't answer that. He'd punch me right in the mouth. <laughs> um Let's see, Brad Lichty, my mother, because she hates our racing. Now, that's not very nice, Brad. Uh, Dan Denny said Jerry Rich. Now, that would be interesting. Norm Mackworth said Minnie Knight. Now, this this became a thing, actually, sort of, later. The comedy continued on this one, Minnie Knight. And here's that Minnie Knight was a, an amazing woman, and she she was uh, she was part of sort of the rat pack of uh Macrith and and some of the other drivers and so here is norm's whole answer here mini night for one thing if i needed a little weight out there it would certainly improve the conditions <laughs> for another <laughs> she could tell me what to do from the track instead of from the grandstands how cool is that so here's what happens a couple of weeks later Somebody had built a sidecar to go on to the 40 car, and they had a big thing at the finish line. They brought the car out, and then they brought the sidecar out and for Norm to put Minnie in. But Minnie, Minnie uh, during the bit, the comedy bit, she turned the tables on them, stuck Norm in the sidecar. So, um, and no, for those of you wondering... They didn't actually hook the sidecar to the car and take any laps. But it was it was very funny. And of course, again, I'm I'm a young kid. I have no idea. I just think it's cool there's this little sidecar thing. I have no idea what any of it is, but it was just funny in a kid sort of way. And and then as I got to be an adult and I met Jim Ferlino, Jim told me that story. And if you go back to the show that we did that was the Norm Macrath tribute show, uh Jim, I think, told the story of the Macraths, Norman Minnie Knight at Fulton in a bed race. So uh, just hilarious stuff. Uh, let's see. What else is good in here? Um, let's see. Oh, Ron McLeod said Jim Ferlito as well. So Jim was a popular guy. Um, and... 
I guess that's about it for the really funny answers. But I just thought that was a great question. If you had a sidecar in your, on your Super Modified, who would you want to put in it to scare the hell out of? <laughs> so, uh, I, again, these programs can be very valuable, and also it, it helps to uh, uh, fill in gaps and such. Okay, now I want to go backwards a minute or to earlier in the show. Again, in the opening, well, actually, the Ramage interview, we kind of got off the track literally with um the hagen howard and i knew when i was saying what i was saying i knew it wasn't right and i just couldn't get my brain to focus long enough to figure out how to get myself back to the beginning of that and do it over here is what i believe to be the correct and and i know mike silliman will be the first one probably to jump on me if i miss this but when when don Ramage mentioned that brian herb had the car that ended up being his first car, uh, which would have been the sixth car, that is actually not correct. Where I had stumped myself when I was breaking it down for Don was I couldn't figure out where the seven car actually came from. Well, that's where. The the 40 car, what was originally the 40 car of, of Norm Macrath when he drove for Hagen Howard, became... The 58 in 1973 for Mark Letcher. And then in 74, it was changed to the number six and Baldy Baker got in it. So that's that's how that worked. And then from the six, it became the 43 of Brian Morrison, which became Ramage's car. First car that he started with, um, it had been sitting and it was reworked at uh, show car and had been sitting there for a while. And Dom bought it. And uh, that's how he started his career. The... The twin, there was a copy that was built to the 40 car, and that was the 01, and that became the 7, um, or the 31 of Jim Gray, I should say, and then the 7. Uh, I believe that's how that worked. And when Baldy came back, Baldy had retired. I believe this was uh, early in the 75 season. Baldy won and then retired and then came back. And started driving the seven car and then flipped back to the six. And Jim Cheney was in the six, got out of that, um, and into the seven car. And then, ironically enough, um, the that was in, I think, uh, gosh, was that maybe that was 74. Now, see, I'm confused on that. But, um, I know that uh, at one year, and I think it was 70. I'm trying to do this out of my head, folks. So um, I want to say it was 75. No, it was 70. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, 70, 75, I think, um, that uh, he ended up. Cheney was driving the 93, and Baldy quit the six. And went over to the 93 car, and that's when Cheney bought the 88 car from Johnny Casey, which was his original 19. So that's uh, how that worked. And Baldy um, got out of the 93 uh, in 70, let's see, 76. Um, the They had a rear engine car. Uh, they had sold the 93 car to the Stelters. And uh, they built a rear-engine car that Baldy drove, and he ended up crashing it on Classic Friday. And I think that was the last time, at least at Oswego, that Baldy drove for uh, the Miles Barker team. 
Um, he later came back driving Don Sonier's car. So hopefully you followed all that, and I think I finally got it correct. So now we've taken care of that little nugget of information and kind of got that straight. So um, also I want to pass along a, if for those of you who maybe aren't on Facebook, well, I guess you'd have to be to get the show, but uh, those of you who may have missed it, um, Vern Lefebvre coming back for a full season whenever racing resumes. And that's, uh, that is just news beyond what I can say. And we are going to, uh, I'm going to be in touch with Vern here soon. And hopefully you will hear from Vern perhaps even on next week's show. That would be uh, a goal of mine to set if Vern will be able to do it uh, and would be interested in doing it. Uh, we'll see if we can uh, speak with Vern for next week's inside groove because that should be uh that should be a whole lot of fun and really uh gosh uh so thankful that Vern is is able to come back and race again that uh when I saw the footage of that crash um I can't even begin to tell you what I was thinking but uh thankfully I didn't have to go there so um happy to have Vern back and and know that he's going to be competing uh, again, we just have to get the track back open and uh, and get going forward here a little bit. Now, um, while we're waiting for that, uh, I do want to get to, before we uh, cut off, and by the way, Vern will be again racing in the 350 Super Modified Division. Uh, while we're waiting on, uh, while, we're, while uh, that's going on, I, do, I don't want to close the show without... Uh, also getting to the uh, race that's coming up on the 31st, which is the um, the next sim race, because uh, the first one was awesome. And this one should be uh, really interesting as well. The Asphalt Vision uh, Extreme uh, Short Track Sim Racing Series, JNS Paving, Blackout Sim Race Products, Oswego Super Modified 75. It takes place on the 31st of May at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. That is a Sunday. Um, and it is uh, going to be live again on Asphalt Vision for free to the fans. And I've not seen a list of drivers who will be competing, but uh, this with a slightly different format. They're going to do um, several days. It's sort of, think, Chili Bowl. Uh, they're going to do, I think, four days leading up to the event of qualifying, and they'll take the top six out of each of those days' features. And then um, they will be the ones that will race on Sunday, and they, they will be the uh, the only ones that will compete um, on Sunday. And uh, I'm going to try to... See if I can get this open here. Okay, so um, what they're going to do is uh, uh, if there are less than 27 cars, they will qualify run heats in the B main with a feature to follow. These are the qualifying nights. If there are 27 or more, they'll qualify, be inverted into two 20-lap B mains, and then the top 12 from each B main will run the A main, which will be 50 laps. Now, at the conclusion of the week, the top six finishers from each of the four 50-lap qualifiers will then be eligible to compete in the Sunday uh, portion of that event, which will be what we're seeing live, will be on Sunday. The qualifying nights will not be on live. Drivers can attempt to qualify as many nights as they wish over the four days, but of course, once you're qualified, you're parked. 
Uh, you can't uh, try to qualify better or whatever. Once you're in the show, you're in the show. Um, now, on Friday night, May the 29th, anyone who did not finish in the top six in at least one of the four qualifiers will have one final shot to make the big show in one of two LCQ. That's last chance qualifier, for those of you who don't know. Uh, the top four from each LCQ will be welcomed to Sunday's live broadcast. So we're going to go in with 20, nope, 32 cars on Sunday, which will be locked in. Uh, they're going to run four 10-lap heat races, consisting of eight cars each. The top five will transfer directly to the A-Main, so that will be 20 cars. They'll take the top four, um, their top five out of each heat, so 20 cars. And then in the Sunday B-Main, which will be 12 laps, the top four will be placed in to the rear for the 24-car field. So 32 cars will end up going into the Sunday portion, um, and they'll eliminate eight by the time we actually race the A-Main. Uh, so the A-Main will have 24 cars. And let's see. There will be a drivers-only event for uh, 35 laps on Sunday. That's how that's going to work out. And that's the last race before the feature, I believe. Um, so that will be for real super modified SBS or 350 super modified drivers only. They'll have a, a brief warm up. And um, let's see, it says only drivers who have previously turned competitive laps in one of these three divisions will be eligible to compete. So if you're going to be a rookie in any of those three classes at Oswego this year, you can't run that race. Uh, you have to have already uh, turned competitive laps. And again, it will be free. So there you go. So uh, looking forward to that on the 31st. And uh, boy, Chris and the entire group at uh, uh, with with uh, Extreme have done just such an amazing job. Extreme Sim Racing. Um, and this should be even better than the first one. So excited for that. And I hope you all will tune in um, and um, make that a part of your last day of May on the 31st on Sunday night. So that should be fun. And we'll keep we'll keep you up to date on what's happening with uh, Oswego, of course, and uh, anything else in Supermodified Racing. And I will say this yet again. If you have news, if you've built a new car, if you've gotten a new sponsor, I know, of course, a lot of the fundraisers are not happening right now, but um, if you do have any kind of fundraiser that, that still is going, maybe something that doesn't involve in-person in kind of stuff. Um, make sure you let me know. Don't assume I will know. Don't assume Camden will tell me. Um, don't assume that Camden knows. Just reach out to me personally through the Inside Groove Facebook page and make sure that I know about it. We want to uh, be the portal for your news and, and what's going on. Uh, but you have to tell me first before I can relay it to everyone else. That's how that works. So it is just so much fun every week to produce this show and, and host it and have uh, have such a, a good time with whoever the guest is. Uh, and hopefully uh, Larry Trink is not mad at me now uh, <laughs> because we had a little fun with him. Actually, quite a lot of fun with him on the show uh hopefully he's actually planning out the party 
to invite all of us Southern Supermodified folk to. Um, probably going to need a few more lawn chairs and some other things. We'll have to work on that. But uh, we would we would certainly love to see that happen. That would be a lot of fun. We we have the old timers night at Oswego every year, but there's a whole bunch of us down here that never see each other. It would just be fun once a year to uh, make a plan and get everybody together, even if it's in the off season. Um, sometime in December, or January, uh, and you know we really would uh, would love to do that. So um, if if there's someone that's listening to this that's down here, I'm certainly willing to help put it together. But I don't. Uh, I know that Jimmy Ferlito is the guy with all the contacts. So um, maybe uh, maybe uh, there could be a small group of us down here that could do something like that. Since uh, um, you know we don't uh, we have so many here, and and again we just none of us almost we almost never see each other and i'm sure there's a lot of people down here that i still don't know about i just found out last weekend that don was down here and he's been down here for a while so um you know again that if 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 there's anybody else that's down here in the south that would like to see that happen uh you know let me know and maybe we can put something together um again you know it wouldn't be as if we could plan it for a month from now so it would take a while to get together and that's good because obviously we're still trying to um get off house arrest here and be able to uh get things back to what i hope will be the previous normal um though that concerns me a little bit frankly but uh would certainly look forward to uh being a part of something like that and helping to to make it happen so with that we will close up this edition of inside groove and we hope that you enjoyed it. And again, thanks to Don Romage. That was awfully nice of him to take some time to drop by and uh, sit down and talk to us. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate all of our sponsors, JNS Pavings, Gips Fish Fry, and of course, uh, Jeff West and uh, the folks from IPC Indy. And I also want to just, um, again, if any of you are looking for a trailer, VictoryCustomTrailers.com. They're based in Michigan. That doesn't matter. They'll get you a trailer anywhere you are. It, it doesn't make any difference. The coolest thing about what Chris Hedinger and his staff can do is they can design a custom trailer to your specifications. They've got a couple of hundred of them uh, new and used in stock. Or, as I say, you can go straight to their website at victorycustomtrailers.com and design your own trailer um, right on the website. It's really cool. So if any of you would like to get in touch with Chris, you can do it through the website. Chris is a friend of mine. Uh, his young daughter, Katie, is um, making her way into the late models this year. Uh, she's a delightful young lady, and she's uh, a talent, and she speaks extremely well for her age. Um, they're a nice family, and uh, those guys work like crazy. Chris uh, Chris has been doing the job of about three people for the last uh, month or so, and, of course, everything's been shut down uh, now with the virus. So, uh if you're looking for that and you're you know you're needing something or you're trying to think ahead even for next year at this point um let chris know and again you can the phone number's on the website uh or you can just design if you want a brand new one you just design it right through the site and work with chris for a quote and, and their service is incredible um i never promote people that i don't know that i don't vet and that you know i i i know that i don't know will be the best at what they do and uh, Victory Custom Trailers definitely fits that bill. So um, check them out. And if you need a trailer, you're looking for a trailer, 
please give them first opportunity to take care of you wherever you are in this great land of ours. So with that, uh, I will sign off for another week. Hope you've enjoyed this, uh, the 44th edition of the Inside Groove Supermodified Podcast. I'm Tom Baker. Stay safe wherever you are. And uh, we look forward to getting together again next week. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.